0: Beer. in a thousand years when our ancestors find this podcast among the ruins they will say oh yeah no wonder that civilization collapsed all they did was yammer on about beer i'm jeremy jones uh with me today is tyler again <laughs> well jeremy i will give you a 10
1: on that one
0: that was a good one <laughs> uh this is actually a special episode uh we've got a uh guest today he is a uh one third of the uh, uh of the uh uh hair, diapers and haircuts uh podcast uh their beer expert Um, And he is working very hard to start his own brewery, Uh, Dill or uh, Drew, welcome.
2: Hey, how are we doing, guys? I'm doing great.
0: How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Got through that intro eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to It's All Beer. So we usually start off with uh, probably the most important question uh, uh, in the world today. What are you drinking at the moment? Oh, man.
2: So, well, first off, I want to say thank you for having me on the show, guys. You guys are awesome. Um, Well, when we planned this uh, interview today, um, you all sent me a care package in the mail. So I am starting out with the Fort George uh, Fresh IPA. Um, I think it's coming in at about 6.4% of wet hop IPA. This thing is tasty. Um, I normally say that uh, beer is tits, and this beer is phenomenal. I am (laughs) truly, truly enjoying this. Uh, we're rocking some fresh
0: hops ourselves tis the season i'm glad and, and and i'm so glad that that's the one you chose to open first so um we talked a little bit up before but uh you don't get a lot of the the uh the fresh hop uh beers on your side of the country do you
2: no we we don't um if we do it's from the the bigger breweries and stuff like that and you're also paying top dollar for them um but when they do come around your you know big uh beer stores and bars and all that stuff definitely try to get their hands on it and you're paying you know i don't say double the price but it's a, a quarter more you know and unfortunately it's it's the nature of the game it is what it is you i know? mean
0: it is kind of a unique style although i think at some point in time i think tyler uh did a story that uh the flying
1: dog out of maryland some, is trying to grow their own hops.
0: somebody hop? in maryland is yep. trying to trying to grow hops out in your neck of the woods so
2: yep so flying dog has been dealing with experimental hops for ages and um they don't even give them names they're like hbc-021 stuff like that and um they just come out with a weird hop series every year and if it sticks they'll make an actual beer out of it um and where they are they're in Frederick, maryland which is like the northern part of, of the state and um they have like where their brewery is they have enough space to actually start farming uh, hops and all that stuff in just doing whatever it takes. So I'd be, I, I'm excited for them um, to see what they can actually produce. Nice.
0: Um, over on this side, we uh, just cracked open uh, the Chase and Freshies from Deschutes Brewing. Yeah, that they mm. And they partnered with Bitburger, uh, which is kind of what, uh, what drew our attention. Um, also a fresh hop beer. Uh, but I think it. I think the uh, the collaboration comes in the hops because they're not the like the typical West Coast citrusy hops.
1: No, it's uh, a okay. Triumph and Cashmere, six uh, percent alcohol, fifty IBUs. Um, I really like it. It's different than most fresh hops. I feel. Tri- I'm not familiar with Triumph. I haven't had any experience with it, but Cashmere... I really enjoy
0: cashmere. Could oh, cashmere is hit or miss for me. There's some breweries that really rock that hop really well, and some that you kind of like. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it has like a nice, bright, kind of savory, um,
1: almost like a cantaloupe.
0: Yeah, that's honeydew
1: good. sweetness. But oh, um, well, cool.
0: Well, anyway. Um, well, we start off. Uh, talked we uh, <laughs> uh, talked about uh, uh, your podcast. Um, I've uh, I I ha- you, you appeared on my radar uh, when I was looking into the Barrel and Flow Fest, and uh, yeah, y- y'all were talking about uh, about that, and that's when I reached out to you. Um, um, and I've been really enjoying it, by the way. Caught the last uh, uh, three episodes. Um, but why don't you tell? Uh, 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 nice, thank you. Oh yeah, it's it's wonderful. I've been uh, quite enjoying that. But yeah, tell us uh, tell us about that one. Uh, diapers and haircuts.
2: All right, so Dibes and Haircuts is about three years old as a podcast. Um, one, I came up with the bright idea one day. I was like, well, I have a lot to say. Maybe somebody would listen. Why not do a podcast? And I decided to draw in my two oldest best friends. So Marcel, I went to high school with him. He used to cut my hair um, in high school, so hence uh, haircuts. And then um, my other good buddy, Big Lowe's, we've been friends since college, and he's always had a different view on life than what most people in this area would normally have. And I felt like that would be very compelling for, you know, a round table discussion. Um, where the diaper's part comes in into play is the fact that, you know, we're all in our mid to early thirties, um, either married, about to be married, about to have kids, already have kids, and we're just trying to live this thing called life. Um, while making sure we maintain a very good haircut, which I don't have right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where diapers and, and haircuts come from. And it's a, a pretty much a general all the way around show. Um we talk about uh certain scenarios, relationship issues, and we normally have a couple reoccurring segments of the show. We like to do like our top five list every once in a blue moon. We also like to do something called best versus worst verse. So Uh, We'll take a song that has multiple artists featuring on it and just try to see who has the best verse, who has the worst verse. And then um, our ever, ever going uh, rotating um, every week segment is our craft beer and cigar of the week. So Marcel is a big cigar aficionado. I'm the big beer guy. And I always wanted to put weird, funky beers in front of them, because when you first listen to like season one, their palates weren't anything. They didn't know what they liked as far as beer. And, and in a matter of three seasons, they can really depict beer and pick it apart, what's good about it, what isn't good about it, what their palate likes, what their palate doesn't like, and be able to have a, a, a really good beer conversation. And it's the same thing when it goes with the cigars as well, too. So um, we've been doing it. We, I'm a big NASCAR fan, so we try to call it a, a NASCAR schedule. It goes from February to November. So we're about to wrap it up. Um, in a couple of weeks, but it, this this season has been been really good for us.
0: That might be why it appeals to me. I just uh, had a kid myself about a year <laughs> ago, so maybe that's what I'm finding in it is that oh yeah, I definitely get the uh, get get uh, that feeling of trying to hold it together through these changes in life. So, tell me a little bit about um, for sure for sure. Your uh, t- tell me a little bit about your uh, uh, journey in craft beer. When did you uh, uh, when did you get into it and when did you start homebrewing
2: so me first getting into craft beer is about many many years ago so i was in college and i started bartending on the side just to you know have some money to get through my classes and the first beer i've ever had was sweetwater 420. and i had it when i was 20 when i first turned 21 i'm like it's gonna be my first beer i'm gonna have never had like an, an actual craft beer before um didn't buy it because of the name um, and what it's referenced to or anything like that. I just, just the tap handle just drew me in. It was the, the fish out of water type thing. So it was like, okay, I was like, oh, this is really good. And at that time I didn't like IPAs. I was all about pale ales. I'm like, pale ales are great. And then fast forward a couple years, my palate just burst into IPAs and I, I never turned back. Um, so fast forward, I went to school in Charlotte. Um, we ended up moving back home. Uh, my now wife, but like it was my girlfriend at the time. Uh, we ended up moving back to D.C. for jobs. I was bartending at a beer bar, and I was really just trying to just dive head into, like, beers and taste them and see what's going on. And I was ever so lucky to to work a lunch shift, and one of the major beer distributors, their uh, president, VP of sales, um, all of their brand managers, and a couple, couple of their reps came in for lunch, and I served them. And I was just winging it as far as talking about beer, and it was like, man, you really have a niche for this, you know, like – here's my card. You should apply in the next coming weeks or so. And, you know, we'll, we'll bring you in for an interview. And, um, they had a job there. They brought me in, they put me on on the bench. They did not, they didn't hire me out the gate. Um, they asked me if I was willing to travel to a four tier system of a County, uh, to, to work. And I was like, sure. And I became a merchandiser. I was going into grocery stores, stocking shelves, rotating beer out, all that stuff. And then, um, I got promoted to be an on-premise beer beer rep because that was my biggest thing. I was like, I know bars. I know how to speak to bartenders, bar managers, general managers. Like, that's my thing. I like I don't mind learning the off-premise, but I'm 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 an on-premise guy. And they promoted me to the on-premise, and I was, excuse me, I was slinging beers <clears throat> pretty much all over DC, and um, just selling nothing but kegs left and right. And I was with them for uh, a couple. I want to say about three or four years. Um, It was a good run. This beer distributor is called uh, Premium Distributors. They actually are under the Raz Beverage Group, so I don't know if you have a Raz Beverage House out there or not, but um, they pretty much have about 13 to 14 distributors across the United States, and they're big Miller Light Houses, and then when you go down, they do anything from Heineken, Corona, to all the big boys, and then to all the local crafts, so they they did sell Flying Dog. They sold what we have out here, which is called DC Brow, which is a very big brewery in uh, Washington DC. And um, to pretty much make a wrap it up, they they own seventy percent of the market. So I was working for a company that had every beer known to man. So like you said, Bitburger, we had the shoots. Um, if you want to talk about you know Spanish beers, Bohemia, um, Victoria, all that jazz, you know, and they really, really value their employees, and with me being with them, I was able to become um, Cicerone level one, so Cicerone um, certified beer server. Nice. Um, I had chance to take level two, but I ended up leaving them because I got a better offer. I ended up taking what we call in the craft beer world the Evil Empire. <laughs> I ended up joining uh, a Anheuser Busch. It, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, you know they, they gave me they gave me a, an offer I, I couldn't refuse. And um, I took that and then I just kind of bounced out of it because it, it started becoming not fun anymore. Um, you know, the biggest thing about selling beer is fun. There's incentives. There's things that goes behind it. And when you start really dealing with the politics behind it, it gets very stressful. So I kind of backed out of it. I started working for beer bars, GM and beer bars. I worked for World of Beer um, for a, a good, good long while. Then um, there's a uh, Belgian beer bar over here called muscle bar they pretty much feature Belgian muscles but they also carry hundred and forty different Belgian beers so I was able to really dive into that um, very well because at the time I didn't really know too much about Belgian beers um, and then now I'm COVID ha- happened so I had to leave the industry and it hit this area very hard so I am now in the process of doing uh, HVAC sales so nothing beer related whatsoever <laughs> But um, when we got into quarantine, um, I actually took up homebrewing. I started. I was like, you know what? I know how to talk about beer. I know how to sell it. I know what it tastes like. I didn't know how to brew it. So I was like, okay, well, let me see what I can do about trying to get some equipment and going from there. And I was blessed enough, this uh, lady, her name is Miss Melissa Witter. Um, she's a widow now. Her husband was a very big homebrewer. He had a um, 10-gallon system to brew five-gallon batches for kegs and all that stuff had his own keyser, x y and z and he actually passed uh, due to cancer and um she was pretty much moving out out of the home and she was like i'm not gonna brew beer i don't need this equipment i don't know what to do and she just put it out in a facebook group and i jumped on it and i told her like i have a dream of doing this and she was like you know what if you can be here this weekend you know some of this stuff is spoken for but we can talk about it and when i went over there and i told her everything that i had going on who i am and x y and Z. And she was like, you know what, Drew? You remind me of your husband, uh, of my husband a lot. She was like, you know what? Even though this stuff is spoken for, just take it all. She gave it all to me for free. Damn. And uh, we're talking a four-tap Keeser system with Perlix. We're talking six uh, corny kegs. Um, you know, he constructed a three-burner propane burner system with pots and all that stuff, uh, pumps. All that jazz, you know, and um, she was like, my biggest thing is that you take it, make something out of this, because that's what my husband wanted to do. And she was like, wherever you were, wherever you get your brick and mortar, just retire his equipment. And I was like, that's a no brainer, you know, so I got a leg up on it. Um, I took all of his his books, all of his um, his notes and all that stuff. He was in the process of trying to brew a uh, strawberry milkshake IPA. Um, which is something I'm now getting comfortable and trying to learn about and trying, trying to brew. Um, but, yeah, man, that's where I got all my equipment from. And from there, I've just been head over hills and just going forth. Uh, my local homebrew shop, I have a very good relationship with them. Um, whatever I need or whatever questions I may have, they're willing to spend time with me and talk to me and all that stuff. And then um, I just got the bright idea. I was like, you know, looking at the – We call it the DMV over here, so D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Um, I'm looking at diversity. I'm looking at, you know, uh, people of color and women who uh, could be owning breweries over here. And it's very slim pickings. There's only two black-owned breweries in D.C., and there's about 15 of them, you know. And then down here where I live at, I live about 30 minutes south of D.C., um, the next county over, the first brewery is actually black-owned. And there's a whole bunch of breweries across the the state of Maryland, but there's only about three or four black owned ones. So it's like, okay, um, for me, I live in a very predominantly uh, black county and it's the richest county in the United States. And there's no representation as far as craft beer, as far as distilleries, as far as wineries and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? I think I can corner this. I think I can make this happen. And um, I've just been. Making recipes, brewing them, improving on them, and just taking notes, asking questions, reaching out to people, and going with it from there. And then um, we came up with the with the name of Liquid Intrusion. And I was like, "Well, there was like, well, why do you want to call it Liquid Intrusion?" I was like, you know, um, when it comes to the diversity across the United States with um, the whole brewing brewing industry, like black-owned breweries, it's less than one percent. So I was like, you know what? I need to intrude on this market. So that's where we came up with Liquid Intrusion. So, um.
0: <laughs>
1: I like that. Uh, that. that that that's a brilliant uh, uh, a brilliant reference. I should say, very nice. Hundred percent. And gotta say, congrats. Way to dive in. And Jeremy, you need to step your homebrew game up. This guy's already got you passed, and you've been homebrewing how long? Well, I don't want to talk about it. First of all,
0: <laughs> this is a man on a mission, clearly. i was—I just been screwing around with uh, with barley and hops for the better part of 20 years. <laughs> this is this is a gentleman on a mission, which, I mean, it, 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 it did sound like, I mean, you kind of got into the hobby with it being more than a hobby for you. I mean, you were like, you know, you kind of, it sounded, the way you talk about it, you're like, I'm gonna do this with the intention of making this my life.
2: Yeah, you know, and and that's kind of how it was, like you know, and you know, to my wife, like I got I have to say, you know, baby Jasmine, I love you so much because if she didn't say yes to this, none of this would be going down. So <laughs> brave man, know, and and smart man. <laughs> yeah, you know, and but but she she's seen that she's been with me while I was in in the in the distributorship, so she's seen me in the act, and she knows that I'm really good at this, and she was like you know what, you know, let's keep on pressing on and like, okay, let me see how this goes and X, Y, Z. And um, she's just been really on board. And then now she's brewing with me on brew days. You know, she can actually, we, we, we're brewing a, an IPA and she actually takes the reins on it because she brews it better than me. And <laughs> it's just based off her. Just like, all right, let me follow your recipe. Sit down. I got this. And it's like, cause I always mess up something when it comes to an IPA and I love IPAs and it burns me up inside, but, um, she's really embraced this and she's really, uh, you know, just definitely been a part of this. And like, this is from her being like trying beers, knowing what type of beer styles that she actually like, and then being a part of all these beer festivals that we're going to. And then for her seeing like, okay, um, this is actually really working, and people are really receiving our homebrew as if it's really brew. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll let you do your thing.
1: Nice. I was gonna say, I don't think any of us could uh, really be successful in this industry without our significant others. Oh yeah, uh- <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. My, my wife has the proper
0: job. It's the only reason I bother with uh-huh. this. <laughs> I was gonna say, my wife
1: puts up with me at beer events all the time, and working long days uh i do on-premise sales for local brewery out here so you okay. you get the game <laughs> i do I and do. i actually work for a, a local home brew
0: shop myself
1: so <laughs> oh yeah there we go
0: um so i and and correct me if i'm wrong you i mean uh liquid intrusions kind of debut was that barrel and flow am i correct there sort of kinda
2: you are correct you are correct so um there's and, a bunch of breweries that, that were there and um I asked the owner, you know, you know, personally, I was like, hey, I'm a home brewer. I just want to showcase my, my beer because one of the nights was a bottle share. And I was like, at this bottle share, nobody's debuting any beers or anything like that. None of the major breweries. I was like, could I have a chance to just put my beer on the table and just go around and talk to people? Like, with your blessing. And he was like, no, for sure. Like, this is what this event is for. Like, please do it. And I think people were thinking I was going to come up there with, like, flip top bottles or you know growlers and stuff like that and like i have my own canning system i have an october cannon system i canned uh me and my wife designed labels we printed them out we put clear coats so the ink wouldn't bleed we labeled them all ourselves we did two cases of each beer so we presented four beers so we pretty much presented like a mixed pack of, of four beers and i'm putting them on tables i'm going around i'm talking to people and i got myself a digital business card with a logo on it just tapping people's phones because of covid and you know everybody was very receptive and people were like yo like your liquid's really good and it was like you know where do you brew out of what's your brick and mortar how how can i can i be a part of this and i'm like we're brewing out of our garage <laughs> you know like this, this is something that we want to take to the next level but i wanted to to have a have an audience that's personally not my friends that's going to always tell me that they like the liquid. I wanted deep, honest opinions from people who've been drinking beers for a very long time.
1: Nice. Uh, yeah, when we had first talked about on this podcast, uh, Barrel and Flow, I thought it was just a single like beer festival, one-night event. But when I listened to your guys' podcast, it actually seemed like it was a pretty big like symposium almost.
2: So it was three nights Well, three days um, You've had Your VIP ticket Got you access to everything um, First day um, In the morning Is a bunch of symposiums um, It is based out of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania And The symposiums pretty much Have They have lawyers there They have people who actually In the township of, of Pittsburgh um, They actually give loans For people to Create their brick and mortar in X, Y, and Z um, there are actually some other uh, big name uh, black-owned breweries that are there, and they they debut like their their trials and tribulations as far as getting to where they are. Um, everybody that was there is in different phases as, as far as brewing. Some people are actually contract brewing. Some people have their brick and mortar. Some people are just like me, actually starting. But they've created a brand that is so big and so well received that when it's their time, they're going to create sales. And, um, there's a bunch of symposiums about a whole bunch of other stuff. And then you leave there, you go to lunch, then pretty much you you go about your day. And then the first night was the bottle share. So everybody's pulling out weird, funky beers. We're talking anything from 3% ABV to 35% ABV. I'm surprised (laughs) that Sam Adams Utopia wasn't there.
1: Uh,
2: (laughs) You know, yeah. And then, uh, um, then, then the next day, uh, is the actual day of, 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 of the, uh, of the, of the festival so you're just drinking all day that goes from you know 12 until eight o'clock at night and then the last day is actually a brunch where all the brewers and their families are there having brunch with anybody who has a vip ticket so you get to rub elbows with the brewers and see what's going on and then from there you go home but we didn't go home we stayed another night because we were too hungover
0: so... <laughs> <laughs> been there yeah i've 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 had to make a long road trip uh, hungover as hell. And that's, I think that's like, I think that's a, a, that's a minor hell right there. I think it's like one of the circles of hell, I, maybe like the third one or something. I don't know. I know the second one is, yeah. is a uh, uh, boiling pits of blood. I think the third one is uh road trip while hungover as hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah I, not fun.
0: I mean, talk about, I mean, you're getting started with this, uh with, with this dream you have. Um, and, uh and, um, and you know, try you know, trying to figure out the path to get to where you uh, where you're trying to go. Um, you know, how valuable was is something like this for uh, someone like you?
2: It's very valuable because a lot of the relationships you know you 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 build based off of who you are and how you're presenting yourself, and then from them from the person actually tasting your liquid and it and they know like okay, your liquid is legit. You ain't messing around like you're serious, and that's what it all is at the end of the day. People can sell you a dream, they can talk to you all day long, but until you try the liquid, you'll know if they're serious or not, because you are be like, oh, wow, this is really good. Um, and for me, I presented four beers for four different different types of palates. Um, I did a plum basil farmhouse sale. Um, my wife's father has a plum tree out, out out front of his house, and he was like, here, I got all these extra plums, brew a beer. And I'm like, I don't know what to brew with this. And then... <laughs> Uh, my manager had a, a basil tree, and she was like, brew a beer. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I was like, well, let me try them out together. Boom, plum basil. I can't make this an IPA. I can't make this anything else. I'm like, this has got to be farmhouse. So get some Belgian yeast, pop it in there, and it came out phenomenal, and it was very well received. Um, I made an IPA for, for my hop heads. We, call, we called it the African Queen and Her Seven Seas because it was brewed with um, African Queen hops, which is more of a stone fruit forward type hop. And we did Falconer's Flight 7C. So yes! all of the 7Cs that's in there. Yeah, yeah. He's a big
0: fan uh, of that one, yeah.
2: Wanted to give some some type of, uh, you know, pininess, citriness. Also some type of stone fruit in there and just kind of make it more juice forward. And it got very well received. And once again, my wife brewed that, not me. <laughs> and then um, third beer was a uh, Lemongrass Saison. Um, I wanted to pay homage to Mr. Garrett Oliver uh, of Brooklyn Brewery. He does a Sirachi Ace Ale, which is more of a uh, lemongrass saison, if you will. It's very hard to find nowadays, but back in the day, it was really, really good. And um, I was like, you know, I love saisons; They're very good. But I'm like, you know what? Lemongrass, it kind of dries the beer out. It goes great with seafood. I'm thinking of like, this is a beer that I want to cook with. Um, It's light and effervescent. Really, really good. And then, um, the last beer I did, I made a Shandy. I made a tropical fruit Shandy. It was supposed to be called, uh, it was supposed to be a dragon fruit Shandy, but the fruit didn't really take that well. And I brewed it with, uh, <laughs> I brewed it with Diet Chick-fil-A Lemonade and the original name <laughs> for it was, uh, Chick-fil-A on a Sunday because you can't get Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Yep. And, um, for me, I felt like I could get away with that name just because I'm a home brewer. I'm not pro or anything like that. And, um. The liquid didn't really take that well. So I was like, okay, let me go out and get a bunch of um, tropical fruits. So I did, you know, mango, papaya, grapefruit, stuff like that, and just added it to secondary. And then it actually started taking its flavor. Um, because back during my day of uh, premium, we had uh, a & Cougar as well. So the Summer Shandy, uh, back when the Washington Nationals had had uh, the contract with my distributorship, um, & Cougar Summer Shandy was – it ran the city and Nats Park was number, was the number two account for landing Google across the United States. So I I know that this area loves light beers during the summer. Why not put my own twist on it? And it's a beer that that's not really perceived that well. Um, it's pretty much, I, I hate to say the term chick beer, but it is um, women love it. But in the same regard is that, you know, you have a lot of people in this industry who chase ABV people who chase hops, people who chase, uh, Belgian yeast, stuff like that. So when it comes to a 3 to 4% lemonade tasting beer, it's not perceived that well to those drinkers. But, you know, th- there's an audience for everybody. And to those who liked it, they loved it. And those who didn't, they didn't.
0: On the, uh, on the on the on the Chick Fil A, um, I guess for lack of a better word, tie in. Um, I feel like uh, if 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 my uh, uh, observation of the industry at large is anything to go by, I think the answer is just do it and wait till you get a cease and desist <laughs> from Chick Fil A and then just stop. That just seems to be that yep. seems to be standard operating procedure in this industry. For, yeah, <laughs> for the, better the, the or wife, worse.
2: The wife, the wife was like, "Don't don't don't do that! Don't do that!" I'm like, I'm just gonna wait until they say something. But I'm like, also with that, I'm like, maybe they can actually, I can get a contract with them to get their lemonade, but mm-hmm. we, we changed the name. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not a
1: So, Drew, quick question, because uh, I know you mentioned a couple, a wide variety of styles. Is there a certain type of style Liquid Intrusion's really going to try to go for or just experiment or kind of what's the plan?
2: We want to do four core beers. Um, you know, that's going to be year round. It's going to keep the lights on. Right. Um, then from there, we, we want to do seasonals. Um, you know, so you got your four seasons, so there'll be a beer for that. Um, and then maybe once or twice a year starting out, we want to do some rarity one offs that you can only get once, once a year, or if we do a premium, some type of group or, you know, um, some type of private society or I don't know what, what we want to call it, something along those lines to where it's like you pay in advance for this. So when we drop rarity beers, you get precedence for mm-hmm. it as well. So it's automatically bought up and, and, it, and it's gone out, 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 out of the door. Um, we do want to get funky with it. Um, you know, the biggest thing is like, how do we keep the lights on? How do we do our seasonals? How do we keep ourselves re- relevant? Excuse me. And then when we're ready to actually test the waters, let's start getting into sours. Let's start getting into, you know, trying to bring in fooders. And mind you, this is the dream years down the road. I want to do lambics. I want to do stuff to to where people across the pond respect liquid intrusion as well, too. You know, Um, so if that answers the question, core four seasonals, rarity one offs and then some super really dope shit.
0: (laughs) I appreciate uh, the fact that you did a Saison. That's one of my favorite styles. And one that's... Underrated? Un- we did a whole yeah. episode about yeah. it. it um, not too long ago. Um, so, yeah, the fact that you broke out a Saison. Well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, back to the uh, Barrel and Flow Fest. So I was, I mean, that's kind of where I uh, you ended up on my radar as I was kind of looking into this beer fest because, um, you know, I, I, I think... Um, I, the overall goal of this, uh, of that festival, is uh, is really respectable. Um, and, of course, it took all of about five seconds, um, you know, uh, looking into the beer fest before... Uh, turns out there's some shittiness happen happening. I don't know if you, yeah you heard. <laughs> um, so I just uh, kind of want to ask since you were uh, uh, had boots on the ground, um, the the uh, the Hofbra House um, debacle. Did did you see or notice anything? What any reports from the ground that you
2: noticed? So when all that went down, I wasn't over in that area, but I did go over there. So. You know, when we first walked in, you know, just to kind of set the the feel of it, it's the area is kind of like an outside shopping mall or shopping district with restaurants. Okay. you know, Mm -hmm. and we're like so I'm looking around and I'm like, you know, I used to work in restaurants, GM restaurants. I'm like, babe, these stores ain't making any money today because where where we were, uh, whether restaurants or shops or stores and all that stuff, the festival took up the entire parking lot. So just think of like a strip mall where you pull in and you park into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took all that up. Oh, okay. We took it all up, you know. So the only thing that was open was the sidewalks because they roped off everything from the sidewalk. So even from the sidewalk, you couldn't walk into the street because it was dedicated to the beer festival. And so I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, there's a cheesecake factory. There's this. There's that. And I'm like, you know, I feel so sorry for that server. They're not going to make any money tonight. Like, dear God. And I'm like, oh, American Eagle, they're not making no money today. You know, and when you're into at the festival, um, they had food vendors, they had water vendors, they had everything that you needed. So you didn't have to go anyplace else. Now, mind you, you did have to pay for all this stuff. But once again, me as a as an African-American male, all these vendors are black owned. So it's going to make me more enticed to purchase through them. And when you go over to the Hofbrau house, I, I was looking at, at my wife and I said, I said, you know, somebody's going to complain up here. And I'm like, I don't know who, but I'm like, I'm not going to think it's going to be the beer spot. Cause it's, we're out here for beer. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And there were a couple other breweries set up catacorner to their interest, to their entrance. And there were some other vendors selling t-shirts and food and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, cool. And I was looking at the Hofbrau house and I was like, they're not doing anything. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like They should be out here supporting. They should have a table. They should have a stand or let alone. And this is me as a GM. I'm thinking like, okay, if there's a a festival in town, I'm thinking of of a way to be creative and make money. Just be like, okay, if you have a barrel and flow wristband on, uh, buy one beer, get one free. Mm -hmm. Simple. Simple. Didn't do that. And then the whole debacle went down. And once again, like I said, I wasn't over there, but like, there were also there were stands over there that that was definitely blocking their sales i'll say that but on the flip side it's their fault to to not be involved uh, in a major beer festival right in front of their their backyard literally yeah you know um i had a buddy he actually went over there and he got something to eat i don't know if it was before or after the debacle but he was like i got over there i ate some food i got fat and i went home okay cool and then you know come Monday when me and my wife are driving home because we should have been home on Sunday. um, It starts coming out and it gets leaked and we see it on social media. And then um, one of the brewers actually slid in my DMs and sent me the um, actual news story that came on on, on their local news. And it was like, wow. And it's still going on now to this day. Um, The owner has posted out saying that, you know, um, I'm still checking in with their lawyers. They actually... That's the uh, owner the, of Brace- & uh,
0: Flow, right? You're
1: talking.
2: Yes. Okay. Yes, Mr. Mr. Dave Bracy, okay. very good guy. Um, he was saying that he was talking to to the owners and they referred them to their lawyers, which is a, a outside source. And they're actually um, still looking and investigating into the scenario. And the biggest thing is that what what everybody knows is that they're just going to draw it out and give it time until people stop thinking about it. And mm-hmm. It's a shame. And do I think that the GM should be fired? I do. If what was said in this video and and if it's proven, he should definitely lose his job because that's not right. Once again, out of all the places to complain on a beer festival is a beer bar, a legit, well-known, you know, um international brand. International beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah international brand like like how how dare beer. you, sir? Like and and this is where we as black folks in, in, in the beer industry, we say the things that we do because it's like it's brands like this that everybody knows. They get their time of the year. They get to do whatever they want. And when we try to show up and be a part of it, we get looked at funny. And it shouldn't be that way no. because at the end of the day, it's it's all about the liquid. I One thing I, I preach about and for me, it's going to be our slogan. It's all about the liquid. I don't care about your skin color. I don't care about how much money you got. I don't care about your status in society. It's about the liquid. And that's what it should always be about when it comes to beer. And it's a shame. It is a very big shame. It's a very big, uh, um, it, it makes me sad when it comes to to the brand of of Brow. And I know that this is a franchise-owned restaurant. It isn't the actual brewery. But if Mr. Bracy wants to take it take it to that level,
0: he could. Yeah. I mean, I think, we, a- yeah, I think we discussed, um, I mean, say so this was what, two episodes, this was back in, uh, oh, what I, what I call this one, this was, um, uh, we did this on September uh, 24th, uh, ball games, craft beer, and racist assholes that ruin everything, uh, <laughs> 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 um, but I, I mean, your point is, well, cause I, I do remember when I'm looking into that, um, the, 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 uh, the people who owned and operated um, uh, Barrel & Flow did reach out. Um, and said, "Hey, do you want to be a part of it?" And they declined, right. which is their, you know, their prerogative. That's cool if you don't want to. Um, sure. But uh, it does, it, it does seem like the. In, I've, I've kind of been checking in my own self just to see if anything comes out. And I think me and Tyler both, at some point in time, and we're finding this. I, you know, we we found this, you know, with founders, and we found this with Boulevard, and we found this, you know, with. Um, uh platform and mm-hmm. you know any 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 Good of the luck. other breweries that we've uh unfortunately had to talk about in this regard um that a, a lot of the a, a lot of the backlash is not so much what happened i mean what happened is reprehensible but then the amount of effort that's going into like containing it and you know like you said this, it under the rug. this investigation that's gonna go on and go on and go on and on until everybody forgets about it and then we're just gonna continue business as usual that's the that's the part that i think as a consumer frustrates the shit out of me
2: mm-hmm. yeah and you know in like for me like the founders thing i was never a big fan of founders like i get the beers that come out once a year like you gotta hop on it for sure and then like when that happened it was like oh wow and like you know, it's in my community, like in the Facebook groups that I'm that I'm in, that's that's black focus, like someone comes in posting like, Oh, this is a really good beer and it says founders across the top, they get blackballed. Like, <laughs> it is insane. Like you shouldn't be drinking that. Da 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 X, Y, and Z. And then you'll have people like, Well, you know, he doesn't know. They they don't know and you shouldn't cloud their judgment. And and I agree with that as well too. But I do feel like People should be consciously knowing like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Boulevard hurts me to my heart because my favorite beer of all time is Boulevard to Colin. It's their double IPA, seventy-five IBUs, eight point five percent. I can't drink it no more. Tank seven. And and one hurt- of
0: my, same thing. It's one of my favorite hurts beers me of all
2: time. To my, to my heart, you know, and 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 and, it, and it's a shame, but also you know it definitely exposes these breweries because like their master brewer is a master cicerone, nil. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this hurts their brand. And like Kansas city as a, as a town, because they got the chiefs, it's definitely helping them with sales and stuff like that and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You don't need, you just don't. And it, it, it hurts me so much.
0: I I guess I kind of want to, to touch upon that a little bit because um, I mean, I'm always, um, I was, I've been looking into, and in fact, I think I'm going to like do a little piece on a, do a, a where are they now on all of our, uh, let's our let's say our infamous our, our infamous <laughs> list, um, and I was kind of poking at uh, at Founders and Boulevard, um, um, and um, uh, you know the the thing that struck me about Founders is that um, their sales have still steadily increased, and so you kind of have to wonder, you know, does it make sense? I guess I guess does it make sense to like not to, to deny yourself what they are doing. Does it make a difference? I don't know. I guess that's, I, 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 I'm, I'm poorly framing this question, but I think, (laughs) you know what I'm going (laughs) on. I
2: get, I get what you're saying. So like, if I go into like distributor mindset or if I go into like very ownership mindset, I pull, if I'm founders, I pull myself out of markets that I'm doing bad in because of the incident and I definitely funnel my marketing dollars in markets that I'm thriving in. Yeah, because yeah. as bad as, as it's gonna sound, you know, you gotta cater to where your dollar's growing. Absolutely. You this know? is this is a so business. So if there's if, if, if there's markets that are supporting them and saying like I'ma see founders all the way through, I support them one hundred percent, no matter what, X, Y, and Z, guess what? That's where those marketing dollars are are are, are gonna go. It's going to be the same for Football Boulevard, you know, and majority of it's going to be them getting support from their own backyard. But then when you look at their major dis- distribution pipeline, which market is failing that they're actually strong in and which market is actually thriving after the incident. And that's, like you said, business one-on-one. Absolutely. Um,
0: and I kind of want to, you know, say, seg-, seg into, um, into, you know, uh, I guess, uh, craft beer as an industry um, is—they they, they call it a, an, an awakening after in the in the wake of founders and Boulevard and the and the and these big ones that have gotten in trouble and they um, and and the beardy white dudes such as us um, are you you're know not a shitty beard. <laughs> hey, I'm, I I, I I represent diversity in this industry right now. See, I can't. I am genetically Save. incapable.
2: You're, of you're both cleanly shaved. What do you mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I keep got, my beard tight. Uh, but yeah, he,
2: you know, like I, I don't, I don't see any lumberjack shirts over there. What do you mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I wore my flannel yesterday. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It was seventy-seven here today. <laughs> it's actually <laughs>
0: lovely here, um, but uh, no, they, they, we, the, the, the marketing that I, I, that I don't know, I've that me and I think a lot of people in the industry have always held on to is. You know, that this is an inclusive industry that, you know, the, like the words you're talking about, it doesn't matter, you know, where you come from, what your skin color is, what you believe, anything else. It's, it's all about the liquid and what you can do and, you know, the passion for this industry, um, you know, and the, the
1: community you can build and, you know, the,
0: the like yeah. the tagline has always been like 97% asshole free. Um, I think we've found yeah. in the past two years that we're talking, like what 75, like 70. Yeah. At best. Um, and so I guess I kind of want to say, you know, you know, uh, greater than that, um, this, this, you know, how do you see this like, from your perspective? How do you see like, you know, where the industry kind of is right now as far as that goes, and um, what
2: what do we have to grapple with? Um, so top to bottom, round and round, um, the industry is definitely being put on notice. For a lot of these black-owned breweries across the nation, um, one of my college buddies, uh, Dave Mack, he's out of Philadelphia. He has Mack Brewing Company.
0: I love uh, that you did an interview with him that I I dearly loved. I, it that was that, excellent. That cat is uh, is yeah. is interesting as hell.
2: <laughs> Good guy. His liquid is dope. I mean, it is ten percent and above, but you wouldn't know it. And you if you drink that, you're gonna be on your ass. But <laughs> that's his thing and that's who he is and his liquid is dope and you know you go from there you go over to the west coast give crowns and hops who is actually on their way um man and woman um ownership and they're 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 doing their thing you know you go to ohio you have a uh, crafted culture my guy sizzle doing i reached big out to them at one point in time you know, trying to get them have, out yeah i, I I I, I talk to Sizzle a lot, so just give me a couple minutes and I'll I'll, I'll get you acquainted. There you go. (laughs) But With with that, you know, but see, that right there is what the industry needs, right? Like, it shouldn't matter what the skin color is. Like, when you reached out to me, I'm all about it, open arms. I love talking about beer. No questions asked. I don't care who you are. And also for me, myself, like, I want to represent my brand, uh, Liquid Intrusion Brewing Company, And then I want to represent my state, my county. And then from there, I want to represent black brewers, you know, and go from there. So uh, you being willing to interview me and be a part of it is a major key as well, too. And also notice all these other black brewers, black home brewers, uh, black beer enthusiasts, black beer influencers on social media and giving them avenues to better create, um, awareness for what's going on because this less than 1% is it's tiresome and we're tired of it and it's getting to a point where like we're about to start breaking through whether you like it or not and it's getting to the point where it's like the you even look at the culture of African Americans and sometimes some of these non-black owned breweries really portray words TV shows slang or whatever the case may be as names for their beers and it's like okay that's cool but then to a point it's not cool you know because it's like well what are you doing for the culture what are you doing to help progress you know african americans or people in color of women in in brewing you know and that's something that that really needs to come to light and i thank you both so so much for giving me the opportunity to have your space to talk about this stuff and because like I've never been to Idaho. I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I don't know what your market looks like. I don't know what what you guys do. Y'all got some hell of a beers over there. I'll tell you that. Shit
0: right now. We do our but, best. Um, no, but it's, it's really good. What you were? I was listening when I was listening to your podcast. You were t- telling a story about uh, going out to a craft beer bar with your wife. Um, and that, like you, you uh, were talking about, like the first time she noticed an off flavor. Oh yeah. And you know how that being like this moment for you, um, um, that you're like, oh my, you know, oh my gosh, she's with me. But what what actually resonate? What what I thought about when you were talking about that because we were like, you you tasted, it, you're like, I think you're getting diacetyl. That's from the lines. Um, and you, and you kind of mentioned that, that this particular place, you know, maybe their lines are dirty, you know, they, they, they seem to be in a, in a place where, you know, maybe they don't care as much as they did, um, for, you know, and for me, it kind of clicks somewhere. I'm kind of like, I feel that's almost like where the industry is like as a whole, it's like a microcosm of the entire industry where, um, and maybe it's because I'm, you know, now in my forties and have been in the craft, been in somewhere in the in craft beers and you know pretty much as long as i've been drinking um and i you know i don't see the the innovation is there but I, the the spirit and the excitement is not where it was and i wonder you know if if that's what's missing is if we've run you know if you're if you're talking to, you know if, if lagunitas say you know they're they're tagline is beer speaks, people mumble. Um, If the beardy white dudes have said all there is to say about beer at this point in time and it's time to have some new voices in. Well,
2: a couple things with that, right? So, like, I think just for breweries in general, I think the beer world is a copycat league. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Let's take IPAs, for example. So, we had English IPAs, more malt-forward IPAs. We as Americans said, yo, that shit is trash. It needs to be hoppier. So, boom, you have West Coast IPAs, right? And they're very clear. They're very hoppy. They're very piney. Some can be high in alcohol content. Some can be moderate. And then it's like, okay, well, shit, I can't drink this during some summertime. Let's tone this shit down. Boom, session IPAs, right? <laughs> you now have beer IPAs that's just as hoppy, but 5% and below. And for that, I will say Easy Jack from um, Firestone? Firestone Walker. Yes. Uh, Yes,
0: one of, the few, one of the few sessions I can I
2: can stake yes, as well. Tits, tits. But, <laughs> um, but from there, you know, then you're like, okay, you got the West Coast, you got Sessions. And then, boom, you know, everybody's like, okay, we want to have a beer. How do we make a beer for the summertime? How do we drink this? And then sours creaked in there for a little bit. Some hot forward sours. That's very give or take, whatever, however you want to call it. And then, boom, out of nowhere, you have New England IPAs. Mm-hmm. And New England IPAs are kind of here to stay right now. And I say give it about like another year or two. uh, Give some of these markets to bounce back from COVID. And then boom, there's going to be a different type of different type of, of IPA, you know um black ipas are still lingering out there but i don't think those those will, will never hit
0: you know, <laughs> like, the funny nope. the funny thing is i you know what actually stop jeremy i'm seeing a renaissance on that one because suddenly a bunch of uh breweries are making black ipas that don't mm-hmm. suck there was a time but the part of it was because everyone had to do one because everyone was doing one right and right. most of them were like i don't know let's make a stout or a porter but make it really hoppy that's a black ipa right no it's not there's a whole balance that needs to happen and you're you're not doing Mm it
2: (laughs) so you know and and that's what i say like the industry is is a very copycat league and you'll see a brewery that'll jump out there or you'll see a new type of style that'll jump on the scene hell even right now the 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 number one competitor to a new england ipa is a seltzer
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) sadly yes (laughs) you know and but but there's a market for it. So it's like, you know, for breweries, how do you remain relevant? How do you create something new that's going to keep drawing people in? But then, like, like I said, the brewery that we went to up in Pittsburgh, they've been there. Like, they, I think they call themselves one of Pittsburgh's oldest breweries. So it's like, okay, you all were doing very safe styles back in the day. Excuse me. My thing is now, like, okay, what are you doing to stay relevant? And it's like, you know, their NEPA wasn't really that good and it's like okay can you recognize that and can you go back to the drawing board and tweak it you know are you willing to do that and then also you know and this is something for, for breweries and this is something that I'm going to stand behind and I know it's going to cost me big bucks if a beer is shit is going down the drain I'm not going to serve it excellent and you have breweries that do that nowadays if it's trash they still put it out there Yes,
0: and unfortunately, you run into that all too often. Where, and you, and I, I sort of sympathize. That they're looking at a great big tank full of money. And going well, maybe if we market it as a, a hoppy, sour, yeah, sour stout, yeah, a sour stout uh, yeah. we can yeah. just get it out. And the answer is, I, I it was Fremont. Um, uh, is a great example of of that. Fremont's a brewery out of uh, Seattle. Um, when they first came out with Lush, uh, was a huge hit in this market. Like huge was selling it by the. We were, I was in our little shop. We were selling three or four cases a week, which in you know in our little t- t-
1: shop is, I mean gangbusters yeah
0: that's and then um it suddenly stopped and we came to find out that the last batch of that beer wasn't up to par and they dumped all of it and they were willing to to drain this market and all the markets for kind of a, a couple po- weeks more about, about a month was it it's was about a month before we got it back they were willing to make that call and say this isn't what we this isn't the, what the beer that people got excited over this goes down the drain let's try again so that philosophy i think is key to not only main t- not only you know personal um you know you, you know personal love for the craft
1: of maintaining trust with your uh with your customer base for I sure don't... and
2: and go ahead Tom. Oh, i'm sorry
1: i was just gonna say kind of along this note one of the reasons i really want to see a little more diversity in the industry is from a consumer perspective Because you get people with different backgrounds, different flavor preferences. Um, Instead of the beardy white dudes from the Northwest, (laughs) we can actually start to get some new, unique styles. And not a New England IPA that was made in the Northwest that uses the same three hops that every other brewery uses. That taste almost the same it's just a different label we got a fourth now there's
0: (laughs) sabro sabro
2: now i like like sabro yeah um but like in in you know that's why like for me like with my ipa i chose african queen hops one it can resonate because african-american and all that stuff but it's a very rare hop to find and it's expensive i've never heard of it so
1: i'm it's it's, it's, that's interesting yeah
2: if for your homebrew shop bring it in Okay. Bring it in. I think <laughs> ABM
1: Bev a couple of years ago bought up all the supply. I oh, that's how like you got I feel like remember it. hearing <laughs> yeah, about I yeah, the
0: inside track <laughs> on that AVM. <laughs> no, no, no.
2: My, 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 my homebrew shop, they actually, they, if you want, you know, and they ship online and all that stuff. Like, you know, Jeremy, if you want to just check it out and just see what they got, huh. by all means. But um they they, they they have a good selection of hops. And they even have hops that people don't even use anymore, like Millennium, uh, Pride of Ringwood, stuff like that. Oh. These are like some, some old school hops. Like, I bought a pound of Pride of uh, Ringwood off of them because I'm like, yo, I don't know when you're going to get this back in again. It's like, oh, we can get it like it's nothing. I'm like, you know what? That's why I like you guys. <laughs> but, um, but from there, another thing, just like how you were saying, like for, for breweries to just pour beer down the drain this is something that I think Tyler might be able to recognize with me on is that back when I was a distributor, you know, you need product now. I was paid off commission. So like, if you're going to drain pour that, guess what? The next brewery is about about to step up. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you have to be cognizant of because it's like, if I'm not always relevant, especially if you're dealing with distributor reps and if I'm not in the back of their mind when they're out there selling and doing their job, I'm going to miss out. Yeah. Or and you lose a permanent handle or for sure. It happens all the time. It happens all the time because the biggest thing for you as a, as a distributor rep, I need to keep that handle, whether it's this product or that product. I just want to make sure that the product is mine. Yeah. Um, but, uh,
0: Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to, uh, I just wanted to kind of seg into, um, cause you kind of touched on it. Um, uh, we talk a lot about the West Coast of the United States because um, that's where we live. Uh, <laughs> give me, what can you tell me about the opposite coast? What, what, what beer? What's happening on that side? What, uh, what's happened in the market? Beer styles, uh, big players. What's, uh, what's of, what's of note in Maryland?
2: So I'll, I'll say this. So Tyler, what is your market makeup? Uh, as far as on-premise to off-premise ratio? Uh,
1: it's about, right now with COVID still kind of lingering around, I want to say 80-20 off-prem to on-prem, uh, just for our specific brewery. Uh, usually that hangs around
2: 70-30. Got you. So. Uh, here in, in the DMV area, D.C. Maryland in Virginia, it is 80-20 on-premise to off-premise. Oh, wow. So we are very on-premise driven over here. So the big thing is that you go out to a bar. Um, some bars have 20 draft lines. Some have four. But they're all pristine beers. And when you try this beer, you're like, damn, how can I get more of this? So the breweries up here, they consider on-premise to be their tasting spots for, for people to actually go when they go grocery shopping or if they're at their local liquor store and they go down to beer out. Oh, I had this at that restaurant that time. Let me bring that home because I was out with my buddies or I was out with my girl and she likes beer, X, Y and Z. So that's how it how it runs out here. Um, Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia is a part of that, that 8020. But everything's pretty much going from uh, Fredericksburg down um, is all chain stores, chain stores to the core, stack them high and let them fly. I know you know that. (laughs) I know you know that. Um, and then you know when you come to my county, it's a three-tier system. DC is a three-tier system, but DC is the wild, wild west when it comes to beer. Okay. I mean, the big boys, the players, they are pay-to-play all day long. You know, yep. What's, what, what what do you need in in, in this sports bar? Oh, Direct TV. You want me to pay for that package? I got it. I need all your draft lines.
1: Oh wow. They can get
0: away yeah. with that, with the uh, with uh, or is there no aid to retail law in DC?
2: It's cracking down. It's been cracking down for a while now. But when I first started, oh my
1: hmm.
2: wild wild west, they did not care. Not gonna oh. bitch about it as much out here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you I'm know. still
0: gonna bitch, but
2: <laughs> but that, that's what it was. And then like when you see like oh well, what about this craft beer? What about this craft beer? and you see this one brand's portfolio on, on, their, on their draft line, you know something's up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you go out to Montgomery County, which is north of of D.C., it is the only four-tier system in the United States. So when you're
1: saying four-tier, you want to elaborate so what, a little more?
2: What What's a three-tier? You got producer, wholesaler, retailer. Throw the county in there. Then that's your fourth tier system. Oh. oh, so
1: like liquor does in Idaho, where they have to sell it to the state, and it's sold through a state-run store.
2: Yeah. So it is a state, the state-run store. Um, so it's weird. So they warehouse it. If it comes to on-premise, off-premise, they sell kegs and cases, but the um, the actual liquor stores only sell liquor and wine. They don't, no, no, they only sell liquor. Only liquor. They don't sell wine or beer, so they give wine and beer to grocery stores, corner stores, stuff like that. Um, But none of the corner stores can sell liquor or anything like that. It's weird, but the county gets their cut. It's a pain in the ass, but (laughs) Montgomery County streets are fine. Their schools are paid for. Um, Taxes are low. All, all typeship just based off the sale of alcohol.
1: Okay,
0: I'm so I'm suddenly remembering uh, one of the I've only, I've I've been to Maryland twice, and the first time I ever went, I I had a bitch of a because I so I flew in from uh, Omaha because I was living in Nebraska. Um, Cause that, cause yeah, you know, that's where my life was going at the time, uh, <laughs> flew into, well, I flew into, uh, DC, but I was, uh, out in all oh, the wilds of Maryland. I'm not, I can't remember sure where, but, um, in, in the, in the suburbs of DC, um, get off the plane, get to my hotel, um, thinking I want a six pack of beer And so went to the gas station. They don't sell beer. Went to a grocery store. And about that point in time, I flagged somebody down and said, hey, um, where do you get beer in this state? Like, oh, you have to go to a liquor store. So I I go to a liquor store. Well, it was 6 o'clock at that point in time, and it was closed. (laughs) So I'm like, you're telling me that it is impossible for me to get a six-pack of beer for my hotel room right now, mm-hmm. I can where I can stay and not hurt anybody. But you can sell me, you know, six pints and okay, cool, well done, Maryland. So,
2: <laughs> so my county and it's about to get really weird. So my county uh, liquor stores are able to have drive-throughs.
0: Really? Hell
2: yeah! Yeah, yeah. So you drive through, you pull up. And now mind you, no cash, straight, you know, debit credit card. Okay. But you pay for what it is, whatever it is that you want. So if you know their beer selection, hey, I need me, you know, a Fort George Fresh IPA. 6, six, <laughs> six pack. You give it to me, you know? Um, if you need a handle of whatever, you get that and you give your card and you drive one off. Um, but as far as the beer scene, everything's pretty much driven through D C because D C is kind of a, a beer destination now. Um for instance, you have your big three breweries. So you have DC Brow, which is one of the oldest breweries here. We, we actually able
0: to get a little bit of that here in Idaho. Um, we got um, – Nice. Uh, I can't remember what it was the name. It was, it was a hazy IPA from DC Brow. Oh, yeah. But, Who I mean – that
2: in? Joint Resolution?
0: Yes, that was it. Um, yeah, yeah, we uh, – have yeah, yeah. uh, It was just that beer. Uh, it, our distributor – our it was our our a very small distributor, and I think they've been kind of picking here and there. But, yeah, they brought it in. It was quite good.
2: Yeah, so so they are strictly an IPA brewery. They do pale ales, IPAs, stuff like that. They dabble in different styles. So, like they do an Oktoberfest, they do um, they do a seventeen percent Russian Imperial style called "Wake Up in the Future." Nice. That comes out once a year. <laughs> uh huh. Well done. Yeah. I, I think I have a couple cans in my in my refrigerator downstairs. If I do. I'll put it in a care package for y'all. Oh, um, to you. <laughs> it, No, I, well, I owe you guys because these beers are phenomenal. I'm now on the uh, Italian Pilsner.
0: Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna ask if you were still. We're still drinking on the uh, Fort George. If you had switched, how's the Italian Pilsner? That's uh, Woodland it, Empire.
2: Italian Pilsner is really good. It, it's crisp. It's light. There's a little undertone body to it that I really do like, and um, the the hop profile is very subtle. Um, good stuff. Good stuff.
0: The, um, I also included a uh, uh, the big dumb beer. Um, uh, I saw that. Uh, there's there, there's one for your uh, a cigar and beer pairing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So uh, so continuing on with the breweries out here. So so yes, you got DC Brow. Um, they do some weird funky stuff, but they primarily stick to IPAs. You have Atlas, which is. Um, Solar powered beer. They they run their brewery off of uh, solar panels on top top of their brewery. Okay. Um, <laughs> they do a they do a common, which they was able to finagle to brew to not get in trouble with Anchor. was a common, dope. not
0: a not a steam beer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but they do a bunch of wide variety of beers. Uh, their Ponzi scheme IPA is really good. Um, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then the uh, the third brewery is three stars. Three stars, so the D.C. flag is like a white flag, two red bars, and three red stars on the top, so three stars. They do all types of weird, funky stuff. Um, i probably have to go by there and pick up their their flagship uh, beer, which is their Peppercorn Saison. So, Ooh. Jeremy, that that's all for you. Um, <laughs> they brew this beer with every type of uh, peppercorn besides black peppercorns because they want it to be spicy. Um, phenomenal. That beer keeps the lights on. But they do anything from um, their zombie date night, which is a raspberry and cocoa nibs, imperial stout, all types of stuff. Um, And they've been really running the game. But now there's so many different breweries that are blossoming like weeds just to jump up, jump up and get out there and do their own thing. Um, We were able to get other half down here. So other half was based in Brooklyn, New York.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm familiar.
2: New England IPA Central is the best mm-hmm. way to say it. They do some weird stuff. They do some high-octane stuff, but every beer primarily is going to be sour or New England IPA. They open a brewery down here in D.C., and they are killing it, running the game. Um, and that's primarily our scene. We have uh, two black-owned breweries, so Soul Mega and Sankofa. Um, they're both based out of D.C., but they don't have a brick and mortar yet. But they're on their way to get it. And... Um, you know they've been doing a bunch of collabs with a bunch of breweries a- around the city, and their beer is widely distributed around the DMV, and and it works. But primarily right now, New England IPAs, regular IPAs, sours, are the beers of of the DMV. Uh,
0: no. The two black-owned brews you just mentioned. I mean, are they contract brewing, or do they have like a little space and no tap room? What are they? How are they? They are contract home? brewing. Okay, they're-, cool. they're contract
2: brewing. Yep. Uh, and, and it's being very well received. So like whenever they distribute, um people know about it, people hop on it and they go with it from there. Um uh, when the Blackest Beautiful movement happened during quarantine, mm-hmm. um Sankofa had one of the prettiest cans out there. They paired up with um I forget the name of the brewery, but they're based out of Rockville. Uh Saints Row. Saints Row Brewing Company out, out of Rockville. And um the can with can art was very pretty. It was um it was a beer brew with like ginger and hibiscus. Uh, it was an L and it was, uh, it was a stout to be honest with you, but it was, it was really good. Um, but yeah, the, the black is beautiful movement was a big thing as well. And, um, now when they were able to get their name out there, Sankofa in, in, in specific, they were able to really take that as a stepping stone and really get all of their product out there to, to the market.
1: Nice. So, oh, go ahead, Jeremy. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, so to, before we wrap up this, do some rapid fire. I was going to say, yeah, I think we're, I was kind of looking at our time and
0: we're get, we're, we've are we're just crested an hour and I've, you obviously have a we lot are. of work ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saying,
2: first and foremost, I apologize. because I'm a big talker, so like I really No, that's
0: all that's are f- the same. F- I mean, how g- god, it's terrible that when you're running a podcast that you just kind of turn someone loose and we just sit here and drink beer and let you talk. That's <laughs> wonderful. I do have some rapid fire questions for you. I just wanted to throw out there. Don't want you to think too hard about. It. I just want to hear your uh uh hear your uh uh just responses. Uh the first one, uh beer style merry fuck kill. Uh beer style you would you're going to spend a lot of time with. The one that you dab- in, maybe a maybe a guilty pleasure, and the one you can do away with. Beer style, Mary Fuck Kill. Go. Uh
2: kill sours. Fuck Cremales, marry IPAs.
0: Okay. Really? Creamales is your is 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 the uh is, dirty. is, the, is, the, is the is the is your dirty uh, side piece. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um best beer as a home brewer you've made. Cream ale. That'd be why you you, you, you you had that one that was just Oh my god I'm never going to be able to replicate this again
2: Or or can you <laughs> no, I can so real quick um, My very first beer that I brewed was a cream ale I asked my wife with her permission Like hey I'm brewing what do you want me to brew And she's like, brew cream ale Because she loves them I can't stand them But now that I'm brewing them and I'm understanding it more I'd fuck them You know kind what of, I mean kind of
0: <laughs> um, Worst beer you've made so far
2: Uh, currently right now what's sitting on CO2, my, my pumpkin beer, um, I need to get more versed with water chemistry because it's not Mm. the flavor that what I created work wise was there, but now that it's on CO2, it's not there. And I know that it's water chemistry to the core. Um,
0: Uh, yeah, as someone, (laughs) I, I actually, I, so I just brewed a Doppelbach, um, with, with water I've built from the ground up distilled the 11 gallons of water I needed and then built it back up. But a uh, water chemistry yeah. is crazy making. So, um, is. may the gods be with you, sir. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. Same <laughs> you,
0: Tyler, you got anything?
2: Uh,
1: I guess the last question I'd really have is when can our listeners kind of expect to be looking for, liquid intrusion to be fully up and running
2: so right now um i am in a major overhaul over the next four weeks of uh, weekends of brewing um to get my core four of what i brought to um barrel and flow fest back into fruition um uh, my thing is that i want to get it to people whom i whom i promised it to and also people whom i feel I trust their palate. So that means you guys as well, too. Oh, that's um, really, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, I, I appreciate being on the show and it's the least that I can do to be like, okay, let you guys try the liquid to see if I'm really bout it, bout it, if you will. But um, my thing is um, doing that o- over the the next four or five weeks, brewing, 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 um, getting stuff on fermentation and getting it ready to can it up and go from there. Um, beginning of the year we're definitely looking at licensing and um getting all of our copyrights and all that stuff done um and from there like i said the brewery that's down the street from us that's black owned um i presented the liquid to them as well um and they want to try to get in doing some contract brewing and stuff like that so um beginning of the year i want to say march april we should have all of our licensing and all that stuff no later in August we should be having about two brews contracted nice. and just riding that wave and going from there. Um, and from there, you know, just keep doing the contract brew thing, paying my, paying my dues to society and to whoever, whoever wants to help me out. And from there, start looking at brick and mortar and go, go from there.
0: Excellent. So, I mean, by the, so conceivably, if you're in the right spot in the world, uh, uh, this time next year, uh, uh, you might be holding a can of uh, of liquid intrusion in your hand.
2: You might be. You might be. Or at least you'll be able to come to the actual brick and mortar and, and get yourself a glass. That's, um, that'd be good. And, it's know, even better. It, yeah. <laughs> you know. And by all means, we'll, we'll have my October system there, and I'll get the, the, the actual professional one as well, too. So we'll be definitely doing that. But um, I'm looking at mobile cannon systems, things of that nature looking at some distributorships as well. And these are all things that's a part of like the five year plan and going yeah. down the line because the the goal is to be a production brewery um, first. And then secondly, be a brew pub and then be a place that, that serves food.
1: Awesome,
0: excellent. Well, I think uh, we'll 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 leave it at that and start wrapping it up. Uh, uh, this has been uh, it's all beer. Um, thank you so much, Drew, uh, for spending some time with us uh, and taking the time to uh, to to discuss, to get nice and beer nerdy with us. Um, if people want to find more of you, where do they do that?
2: Uh, if you want to follow the brewery, Lipco, Libco L I B C O twenty twenty one. That's on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, Libco, twenty twenty one. Uh, for me myself, it's going to be Django underscore nerd djngl underscore nerd. Uh, the D is silent, I guess. <laughs> um, that's on uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram as well. And then um, Andrew Dill, like the pickle d i l l. That's for Facebook. I I'm not scared. Just shoot me a friend request. I'll accept it. And then um, as far as the podcast, Dnh Podcasts. Uh, 2019, once again, DNH Podcast 2019. Uh, that's for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and if you want to email us and try to feature on the show, D&H Podcast 2019 at gmail.com.
0: Uh, and you absolutely should uh, be downloading that sh- uh, show after you've downloaded ours, of course. But um, once you're done with ours, you for absolutely sure. should download that show because uh, I have really been enjoying it. A uh, lot of energy, a lot of fun, um, and, uh, and all that. And, and for us, production
1: value puts you to shame. Jeremy. I mean, you
0: know, yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no.
2: So if, if you go back and listen to the first first season, our audio quality was trash. We upgraded it on the second season, and this third season, we really just wanted to drive it home. Um, I will also say this, that if you pay attention to the next episodes that drop, I'm just going to give you guys a tidbit. We did a three-part episode on all of the Black is Beautiful beers that was released when the movement first came about. I also interviewed um, Mr. Marcus Bakerville, the one of the owners of... Uh, Weather Souls Brewing Company in Texas oh, and nice. had him explain more in detail of what the actual um, beer was and what his vision was and did he expect this X, Y, and Z. And um, I created a spreadsheet. I have a very, I still have Black is Beautiful Beers, but we did about, <laughs> during quarantine, I brought in about over 200 different styles of the beer. Um, and what the brewery was, where they're from, and what actual uh, black charity they're donating all their proceeds to. So it's a three-part episode. I have a couple beer friends um, whom I respect their their palates, and they're a part of it. Um, we should have released it when it first came out. I had a videographer who was video a video for it, and that didn't happen. So I'm very bummed about it. But you know the way that it is we're just going to release the audio now like two years later and go with it from there
0: excellent i look forward to that um so all right, and, our, and, and and on our side, what do we what, what do we do? Oh yeah, we do we do Twitter. <laughs> I go. You can follow us on when we when we're doing news stories. Uh, you can uh, uh, follow all the stories we use to put together this podcast. Our our uh, Twitter account is uh, it's all beer one because again, it's all beer was taken. I will find you, whoever you are, whoever has that. I'll find you. Um, you can find us on Instagram. I put some pictures up every once in a while. Uh, it's all beer. And Facebook, it's all beer. And if you want to chat with us via... Uh Via email, it's allbeer at gmail.com. We still accept rocket donkey. That still works. Um, just aim it towards uh, towards Meridian, and you'll you know I'll pick it up somewhere in Eagle. Um, <laughs> and uh, once again, um, uh, thank you so much, Drew, for uh, for joining us. Uh, uh, really hope you wish you the best uh, in in your endeavors, and we'll be uh, we'll be in touch because uh, I very much uh, some uh, like to make the trip down there. Uh, We're
1: crowdsourcing the trip, baby.
2: <laughs> By all means, well, y'all. Are welcome down to maryland we're gonna hit up all the breweries we're gonna have fun we're gonna drink some homebrew i'm down to brew a beer as well um and also you know hey maybe i'll end up in idaho who knows
1: you come out we'll take you around we'll show you our beautiful valley and all the great beers we have in the valley all right
0: Consider that, a, yeah, we'll have to do that sometime. But, it, but in the meantime, that's all, that should be all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to go have a beer. Have fun.